Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another special episode of New Hope Underground. Uh, I am your current host, Lead Pastor Tyler Sturkey, and uh, we are doing this as we go through the series Ephesians in Christ, and we're kind of doing like a supplemental podcast each week. Uh, Whoever's speaking that week in the series, uh, that person will speak and then invites a very special guest onto uh, the episode to talk. Uh, kind of chat through the text, uh, maybe add, go a little bit deeper, add a little bit more flavor. And so that's what we're doing today. And so I have a very, very special guest, had my wife on the first one. Uh, this person is near and dear to me, not quite as near and dear as my wife, but close. So let's uh, all give a communal, whether you're in your car or at home listening, a communal round of applause to my good friend, Chris Strong. Hey, how we doing? thunderous applause. See, I didn't know I had this button to use last time. Uh, so anyway, it's good to hear some applause. every now. I wanted to use that for my wife, but then I realized I didn't ask Darren about how to, how to do the thunderous applause. But I'm like, you know what? Chris is going to get some thunderous applause. So, and I need it because this is, this is new for me. Let's, it's going to be fun. Well, Hey Chris, we're super happy to have you on the podcast today. Uh, just to talk through the text. Now us discussing through a biblical text is not a new thing for us. No. Because you are actually part of a small group that I lead on Tuesday mornings. Yes. Uh, we call it our dark and early because we meet <laughs> here at the church at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. And at 6 a.m., at least this time of year, it is anything but bright. <laughs> so we call it our dark and early. And I love it. It's great. So there's a group of us that get together and do kind of what we're going to do in this. Yeah. Where there's a, we're reading through the scriptures and we kind of use the SOMA method where read the scripture, make observations, kind of figure out what the meaning in the text is and then apply it to our lives. And it's been pretty powerful for yeah, us doing that. It's been good. So Chris, uh, some, some who may be listening will know who you are, uh, cause you're involved in the church in lots of different ways. Um, but why don't you just tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got connected to new hope, how we know each other. I mean, whatever you want to share, sure. Please, please share. So I am actually from about 20 miles East from Greenup. Um, I started going to New Hope in 2017, I think it was. Because you lived in Olney for a while. That, yeah. That was something we had yeah. in common was that we were unfortunately both from <laughs> Olney. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm my uh, biological dad was from Olney. So, I grew I lived there for a while and I went to high school there for a little bit. But I came here in 2017. I started going to New Hope. Um, and I actually got connected through Darren first. Because they were doing the groups, I was trying to get connected with a group, and the first words out of his mouth to me were, "Hey, you want to come have coffee with me in Mattoon someday?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, sure. I don't know who you are, but that's fine. We'll go." <laughs> and we went and had coffee, and we sat at Starbucks for three and a half hours, and then Starbucks closed, and then I was at his house for like another five hours. You want to hear something really interesting about Starbucks? Sorry, this is random non sequitur, but it's super interesting. They are not the employees are not allowed to ask people to leave even when the store closes. It's a, it's a company policy. I did not know that. So they, they will say things like, hey, just letting you know, like the store's closing, but you're welcome to stay here as long as you want. Inwardly, they're thinking you need to leave, <laughs> but they're not allowed to say that. And so they'll like turn up the heat really high or make the music louder, but they cannot tell you to leave. I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we were outside and Darren's just like, you know, it's getting super late. You want to just come by the house and we'll just continue talking? I'm like, yeah, man, first time we've ever talked. Let's let's go ahead and keep this going at your place. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, so I did, like, I got connected with Darren. Me and Darren talked a lot. And then I don't remember how me and you decided to go get caught. It was probably through Darren. Yeah, like, I think Darren, so. I think Darren, like, introduced us. Because it was before you were the senior pastor. Yeah. And um, 
because this is like 2017, I think. And then me and you went to Joe Sippers. That's right. And then we found out that we were both. That's where I first found out you were from Olney and that you knew people that I knew. Yeah, because you. I don't know if I invoked the person. No, I definitely did. You did. You invoked a name that I was like, I know that name. Yeah. And we started talking. It turns out that you ran in some of the same circles as me, but it was after I had already moved to Chicago and then subsequently moved back down to Effingham. But yeah. Anyway, had run (laughs) in similar circles and you were just maybe five, five plus years behind me or so. Yeah. I think because like we were talking about Alex Garrett and me and him. I mean, I met him in, I mean, I was like freshman in high school so it would have been 2009 yeah so you're so, and, you're so young uh, yeah makes child. me feel so old <laughs> our birthdays are coming up man we're, that's true we're, our birthdays are only two days apart yeah so we're we're nine years and a couple of days we're a couple of days short of exactly 10 years apart Shush you <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so yeah chris and uh you want to tell us a little bit about your family too yeah sure so i am um I have a wife and one daughter. My daughter is a year old. Um, and my wife, Anna Percival, some people might know, um, she is from the from here and had been going to New Hope for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I met her in 2018, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, we got married and... Love it. Bought yeah. a house and now we got a baby and... Cutest thing ever. She is just <laughs> Amelia J. Oh, yeah. MJ. MJ. She's so cute. I want to eat her face <laughs> until my stomach is full of her face. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I just admitted something illegal. That's okay. She, lo- <laughs> she loves her Uncle Tyler, so that's it's it's okay. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so Chris and I have been friends for a long time and like I said, in a small group together. And so it was just cool. This is something we do almost on a weekly basis. And yeah. so I'm like, why don't we do it on the air? On the air. And look at one of the texts. So I invited him on and here you, here you is. Let's do do it. All right. So typically what we do is we'll just read the, read the text. Uh, I'll just kind of read it out loud and then we'll just start making some observations and just see what God shows us in the text. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So uh, the text we're looking at today that I preached on on Sunday is Ephesians chapter two, uh, starting in verse 11. And I'll go ahead and read all the way down through verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Okay. Starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember at that time that you were separate from Christ, excluded from the covenants in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, or citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing line of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
who love it that's good stuff love it there's man there's a which i've said this multiple times paul is considered the the first theologian of the christian church and boy, he shows you, it you can tell by his <laughs> writings because i'm like i'm trying to follow the logical strains and trains that he gives whenever he writes because he likes to write run-on sentences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> they just keep going. Uh, so anyway, well, hey, since you are our guest today, I'll let you make some of the first observations. I had kind of let Chris know the text that I was going to be preaching on on Sunday a little bit ahead of time just so he can be reading through it and praying through and just making some observations, just gentle noticings of things he saw in the text. And so he's written down a few of those. And so as the guest, I'm going to let you share some of your... Yeah. noticings first and we'll kind of chat about them. So one of the first things I noticed was, and it was just weird for me because I've kind of, I kind of read through both the NIV and the NLT. Um, yeah. And in the NIV in verse 11, it talks about uh, they were called the circumcision. Mm. And I just, it was, a, it's just a weird phrase to me. Um, what what a weird title to be yeah. like, known by. Yeah. like and, and for me, it's like, what does that really what does that mean? What does that mean for that group of people to be called the circumcision? Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm just trying, I was trying to think through it. I'm like, Oh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin to think about <laughs> being called that. It sounds like an, in, a huge insult, but I know it probably isn't a huge insult to be called that circumcision. It's like a really weird superhero name. Yeah. It's a, yeah. They're called the Avengers, <laughs> yeah. but they're called the circumcision. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's very much a, re- a religious designation. Yeah. Uh, which if there are kids listening right now, we're going to be talking so, about some sensitive things. So go ahead and muff them. Yeah. Cover, cover the ears. Ear muffs. Tell them to go in the other room. <laughs> uh, yeah. Circumcision is just not, not something that we talk about in modern society. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then it had entirely a, a religious uh, purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this goes all the way back to the story of Abraham where in some weird way and I mean, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on it, but the the cutting away of the flesh in circumcision, which it's a it was a surgical thing done to male genitalia, um, and essentially it was meant to be representative, from what I understand the scriptures, representative of the cutting away of the flesh, like referring to our sinful nature. Mm. And so nobody else did that. Israel was literally the first people group, ethnic group to circumcise that we know of. I mean, yeah, uh, historically or anthropologically was the first group to do it. And it had entirely religious significance, starting with Abraham that, you know, the, the foreskin was cut off as this symbolic. I mean, almost like for us, and that's why Paul refers to baptism as the new circumcision, mm. because just like, baptism is this picture of me going into the water i'm dying to myself and then i'm rising as a new person for circumcision for the jews the cutting off of that flesh was i'm cutting out the sinful part of who i am and so now i am different than everyone else around me i mean it was a physical reminder every time they would bathe or whatever it was a physical reminder i look different than the rest of the world and so it became kind of a a spiritual bat or a badge of spirituality of like i mean you think the jews who were dispersed in the greco-roman world like you know in ephesus and different towns like that for those who were jewish i mean you go to the greek bathhouses because imagine this how weird this would be bathhouses were communal yeah so it's like anytime you went to bathe you're in a room with 20 other guys or 20 other women or whatever 
And so for a Jewish male in the Greco-Roman world, he would walk in and everybody would know he's Jewish yeah. because he was circumcised and nobody else, Romans, Greeks, none of them got circumcised. Yeah. Again, it was not pr- practiced by any other group. So literally by your physicality, you were declaring to the world that your loyalty lied with, you know, the God of Abraham. And, yeah, and, and for them it was uh, it was for them to say that I'm better than you. I mean, essentially it, yeah. that's, that's what it became is it became a picture of self-righteousness. Yeah. Of to where, I mean, you, you were pointing out, it's like, it's interesting that it's said like it's a title. Yeah. Or, or, or like a, you know, a, a group that you're a part of. And that's really what it became is. It's like a fraternity. Yeah. Like if you were Jewish, you became, you were part of the circumcision. Like yeah. you just knew like you're in this special group that, you know, you belong to God and nobody else belongs to God. Everybody else, the Gentiles, which in my message, I talk about this, that it's the Hebrew, Hebrew word goyim, yeah. like a single person, like you would be called a goy, which sometimes if you listen to like current TV shows now where there are Jewish people, they'll refer to people as goy. Yeah. And it just means, the goyim just means nations. So it's basically anybody who's not in the nation of Israel who has not been circumcised or goyim. And so anyway, but it became this badge of pride of like, oh, I'm in this very exclusive club, which, I mean, those are some membership dues, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not, so, yeah, that's just a weird thing to pay. Oh, uh, like it's, it's a painful thing to pay yeah. at an older age. <laughs> but anyway, so that, I mean, it's just, he's pointing out that there is this division between them, even by their own physicality. Um, but one thing that I noticed, which I didn't get to talk about this in my message, because you just can only go so deep with certain yeah. stuff, where Paul says in parentheses, where he says, you know, in verse 11, by those who have called themselves the circumcision, parentheses, which is done in the body by human hands. Uh, I was reading, and there was a commentator who was talking about, this is Paul making fun of the Jews. He is a Jew. He was a Pharisee, but he's making fun of the Jews by saying this, because a common phrase that is used in, like, the Psalms and in Isaiah and different texts and prophetic texts in the Old Testament is whenever the Gentiles would worship idols, they would talk about these statues made by human hands. Yeah. yeah. So he's pointing at their circumcision, this thing that they think makes them so close to God. And he's like, it's done by human hands where he's like making a vague allusion to idolatry and saying like, you've essentially made your little surgery an idol. Yeah. Like you're trusting in that rather than your faith in God. And so, like, man, Paul's getting a little... Throwing some shade, <laughs> I love it. He's throwing a little shade <laughs> at his fellow Jews. But, I mean, it it makes... I mean, for me, that part makes sense, like, why he would do that. I yeah. mean, because you think their, like, their whole religion, you could, quote-unquote, say, was built around the fact that you're circumcised. And yeah. if you weren't, that sucks, man. Like, you're not a part of our group. And just to have that line that that hard line in the saying that oh the only way you can be a part of my group is if you do this i mean and you're just everything about your life revolves around that happening i mean yeah it becomes an idol and if it becomes part it becomes the only part of your your religion that event that seems to only matter because you look at other things and yeah you can be saved and you can believe in christ but if you're not this sorry and that was i mean probably one of the most pivotal points in the christian church like their early history which is, it's in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, yeah. is because they're all, the apostles and the elders are gathering back together, and they're telling all these amazing stories of, like, the Gentiles are believing in Christ. Like, how amazing is this? But there's a question that arose in the midst of that of saying, okay, wait, 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 wait a second. Now, do they have to become Jewish to become Christian? Like, they're not Jewish. 
I mean, it's like basically, do they have two steps, whereas a Jew just has one? Yeah. Like a Jew believes in Jesus as the Messiah and they're saved. Do they have to first become Jewish? And for the men, that's especially as an adult, like that's a cost. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you count the cost. Oh, yeah. of like, am I willing to pay that? That I become Jewish and then I can become a Christian. So essentially, do they have to be circumcised and, you know, all the other rituals and laws and stuff that they have to keep? Or is faith in Christ enough? And so that whole discussion in that first council was what are the minimum, like the minimum requirements? Like what's the most basic uh, entrance uh, into faith? Which, of course, I mean, ultimately it came down and Paul is kind of teasing this out here is it's not circumcision or things like that. Like we're not going to require them to become Jewish and then become Christian. Like clearly the spirit has been poured out on them, which he gets to that later in verse 18 of saying the spirit is actually like circumcision was the mark for the, you know, a faithful Jew in the old Testament. The get the possessing of the spirit is the ownership of a Christian in the new Testament. Like if you have the spirit, that's all that matters because it shows you've been accepted by God. Yeah. I mean, it's like nowadays it's like telling that somebody wants to come join new hope that they have to change their ways and do all these things to come. We're going to require you to have some surgery yeah. to become a member <laughs> instead of come, instead of being like, okay, come, come here and become a part of this family at, you just have to believe. Yeah. That's all you need to do is just, you need to believe in Jesus. Jesus at the center of it. Yeah. Like there's no other requirement. So, I mean to come out and especially during that time, you think about it to come out and say that during that time in history, I I can't even imagine the looks that were given. Oh yeah, it's when crazy. He was just like, "Nope, you don't need to do any of that. You just need to believe in Jesus." And I mean, that there there were groups of people. I think they became known as the Judaizers who struggled with that. They came yeah. from like the Pharisee background, and they're like, "No, you you got to you got to be circumcised. Yeah. You got you got to be able to do all those things." And so that was a point of contention in the first century for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, what other yeah what other things you notice um, in the text? Let me. I'm gonna pull up and read it because it just kind of. The wording is probably doesn't mean as much as it does to me when it says it. So in verse 19, it starts out as saying, consequently, Mm. like it's a consequence that you are no longer foreigners and strangers and you're, but fellow, but fellow citizens of, um, with God's people and also members of his household. There's two points to this that I want to touch on. But the first one was that it starts with saying consequently. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, well, why is this a consequence? Like, what is the consequence here? Yeah. Like, I know consequently can mean, doesn't have need, need to have negative connotations to it. But the first thing that came to my mind is like, what is the negative? Hmm. And there probably isn't a negative. There can't be a negative to that, to being part of that household. But it's just that word, that wording, it just like, just for some reason stuck with me. And probably for no good reason, to be honest with you, just. Um, I don't no, know. that's, I mean, that's really good. Like, no, noticing. Is that word to call the conjunction? I'm, I'm forgetting my grammar. Conjunction, I, wanna, junction, I was going to say, I want to sing conjunction, junction. Darren, <laughs> Darren, Darren got that in my head yeah, and, it has, and it has not <laughs> left yet. <laughs> but no, I mean, in some ways it's like, uh, consequently can mean, I mean, another, maybe another way to say that is therefore. Yeah. Which is funny because if you pop back up to the verse right before, yeah. it's actually speaking to that. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jews and Gentiles can have access to the Spirit. Therefore, you are no longer foreigners yeah. and strangers. And that's, I mean, in my head, like after I read it and I wrote the question down, I was like, that can't be negative. There's no way. There's got to be, I don't know why, but it just immediately in my head, I was like, oh, so what was negative to them in that time that the word yeah. they use is consequently? Yeah. Like, why not use just say therefore? Because then you go to the NLT 
Um, and it doesn't say that. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Yeah. So it drops the consequently and it says... Which maybe mo- maybe it's in our own like today English language. Anytime we use the word consequence, yeah. it's only in a negative fashion. Yeah. Where really it just means the natural outcome of... Like there's consequences of things happening. Yeah. But we tend to only use that word when it's bad. Yeah. But it's like the consequence of you... Uh, coming to my birthday party is <laughs> I give you 20 bucks. That's the consequence. <laughs> it's just there are consequences for your actions, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it was good, a yeah. good consequence, but. And it, I mean, it, so I'm a huge office fan, yeah. massive <laughs> office fan. So there's a part in the season after Michael leaves where um, Will Ferrell's character is like the general manager oh, yeah. or the regional manager. And he's like yelling all these good things about all these people getting stuff like, <laughs> talking about how like the company's going to pay for somebody's college and they're going to get new chairs. And he's like yelling, trying to but be he's aggressive. Saying it, he's saying it like it's a bad thing. Yeah. He's saying it like a bad, <laughs> it's a right. bad thing. And in my that. mind, I'm like, that's what, that's me right now. Just reading the word consequently. I am that man. Yeah. Being, this is negative, but why is it negative? I need to know. Yeah. But then you read other texts and it's like, it's not negative. Yeah. So it just like, it's crazy. Like looking at different translations and seeing the different words used and how initially your thoughts can be something different. Because like I read it there, and then I immediately jumped to my Bible, my physical Bible, and which is the NLT, and I'm like, it doesn't say that. Mm. So I'm like, okay, because I read it in on the I read the the, the one translation was like, well, somebody's got to say something different somewhere. Like oh, if it's sure. a negative thing, maybe this will point me to the, why it's a negative thing. But and in the other translations, it's it not. It doesn't come across. So as then negative. the the question for me is like, why? It's just showing a cause and effect yeah. relationship. Yeah, but it's just like you like you alluded to. It's just like the word consequently immediately jumps to something negative without the context. So somebody reading just that, just for the beginning part of verse 19, not knowing any background might yeah. think it was like, okay, so what's the consequence here? Like, why is this bad? Yeah. So it, I just, like, I just want to point that it just blew my no, mind that really that good. was like the, my immediate reaction was like, okay, I got to go back and read the be- what was before this. Cause what was negative? I didn't re- I didn't catch what was negative about this be whatever just happened. And that show, and I mean, that can show the power of, I mean, the fact that, Word choice matters yeah. because we don't even realize how a word can have certain connotations to it and we yeah. don't even realize it does. And that's why study, I mean, reading in multiple translations matters because every translation, the interpreters are making choices when they translate it. And each of those choices is going to carry connotations even differing where it's like, I may read that word and that thought didn't occur to me, but for you it did. Yeah. And so it's like, there is power in reading different translations because of those things. Actually to jump onto that verse 19, it's funny cause I had a, a similar thought, but it, I mean, you actually came about it from a different way than I did, which was cool. Was that cause the phrase that stuck out to me in verse 19, cause it said, consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers. That phrase stuck out to me. And cause I was kind of thinking through, like, where have I read that in other places? Like, I was thinking of, like, other elsewhere in the New Testament. And it made me think of, which I don't have it ready, so I can't quote the chapter and verse, but I think it's in, like, First Peter either 2 or 4, where he talks about abstaining from, like, sinful desires that war against our soul. And, he, like, he refers to us as foreigners and strangers in this world. Mm. And I realized, like, in coming to Christ, like you see this strange reversal happen where, as you know, say, because you and I are Gentiles, neither of us are Jewish, like ethnically or historically. Um, 
So apart from Christ, you and I, according to Paul, were far away from God. Yeah. We were, the phrase he uses was without hope and without God in the world. We're just, we don't even have a law to point to, to pretend like we're righteous enough. We're just without hope and without God in the world. And so we were foreigners and strangers to the household of God, but by coming to Christ, we have now become foreigners and strangers in this world because we belong to a different kingdom now. Mm. So like it flips it. We were foreigners and strangers to God. Now we're foreigners and strangers to the world. Yeah. Like that's the language that Paul uses. But of course when Paul uses it, he doesn't use it as a bad thing. Yeah. He's just letting them know like if you feel like you're out of step with the world, there's a reason. Sure. Because you don't belong to this kingdom anymore. You don't belong to any of the kingdoms here. You belong to the kingdom of God. And maybe that, like thinking back to that, just a random thought, maybe that's the consequence because like we know how hard it is to stay on that good path. And like the consequences, this is about to get harder. You thought it was hard not following. Now you're following. This isn't an easy road. This is. But what's funny is, I mean, even though that may be true, and I, you know, I felt that you felt that they don't talk about it like it's bad though. Yeah, he just talks about it like it's a reality. Like, which I mean, I'm referring to another text. He doesn't mention it at all here in terms of being foreigners and strangers to the world. Peter does in his letter, but still he doesn't even necessarily say it in a bad way. He's just naming the reality of like, you're out of step with the world now. So you shouldn't be surprised that, I mean, that Jesus saying that too, like don't be surprised when the world persecutes you because they persecuted me. And so why would you be surprised if they persecuted my followers too? Um, So it's a similar thing. But anyway, yeah, I just noticed that. And the way you (laughs) talked about, I'm like, Ooh, that's like a flip side of like looking at that. I love that. So, uh, okay. Another observation. Yeah. So the last one I have, was this concept of a house being in being in God's household mm. and the comfort in that? Yeah, because you think of like your kids or my or Amelia, my like my daughter, being in my household means that I'm going to protect you. Yeah, that you don't you don't need to worry about these small things of life. You you worry about growing and getting better, and I'm going to protect. I, I, it's my job to protect you. When God, when God our Father becomes the Godfather, <laughs> you you have the protection of my house now. <laughs> but that just I'm trying to stick a uh, note for the audio. I'm trying to stick out my jaw as far as possible when I say that. <laughs> but just that I read it, and I probably read over that part in verse 19 probably 20 times. Mm. Just eating that in because I've I mean I've heard that before. Because I think it's mentioned a couple other places, um, but I've, I mean I've heard it before, just having conversations and listening to things. But just actually reading through it and getting ready for like this, it was just like I read through it. I'm just like, oh, and it hit different because I'm like being a dad. Mm. It's like okay, so I know what it means for my daughter to be a part of my household, and now, or even you think about like the bride, like my wife. I know what it's. I know what it means for my wife to be in my household. It's not my, if somebody tries to come in and harm my family, it's not my wife's job or my kid's job to do something about it. Yeah. It's my job. Yeah. It's my job to protect my family and my house. It's not my wife's, it's not my kids. Mm. And just having that, it's like, it's it, like, it shouldn't, like, it's, it just gives me chills. Mm. It's like, okay, so I know what that means as on a worldly level for me. I can't even imagine the kind of protection we have from God. Yeah. Being in his household and being a part of that family. That's just insane. Like just it's mind boggling that concept of like being a part of his house, being a part of his family. Yeah. And then so from uh, kind of moving to kind of a final application as we get ready to close out. I mean, there's definitely a theme here that Paul writes of, 
I mean, earlier in the chapter, Darren was talking about us being estranged from God, essentially. Yeah. We're children of wrath. Oh, it's, it's hard to get past that language. <laughs> yeah. That we were children of wrath. But then if that was more the vertical thing with us and God, the second half of the chapter kind of does the horizontal of us realizing, I mean, there were people groups and I mean, just all that language of family, like the word estranged relationships is the phrase that kept coming into my mind as you were sharing what you did of, I mean, we as Gentiles were without hope and without God in the world. We were in a, an estranged relationship ship with God yeah. and he brought us near and brought us back into the family, which is a powerful thing. And so like what, what ramifications or uh, consequences <laughs> do you think it has for estranged and broken relationships in the world and what the cross means for that? I know that's a, like a super huge question, but what just init, some initial thoughts on like, what does that mean for how we walk in those types of situations? <laughs> wow. Hit me with the deep ones. I'd like to say that's a softball pitch, but it's, it's not. not. That was a fastball. <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. Because ask your question one more time real yeah. quick. Like with this theme of like, a, str I mean, essentially all these are strange relationships, whether it's the Gentiles being brought in or even individuals, like how it's easy to have barriers of hostility. That's yeah. the language Paul uses. But seeing what Christ has done for us, what does that mean for us as we are foreigners and strangers in this world living? And it's like sometimes we see that in the world. We see barriers of hostility. We experience it with people who have wronged us or, you know, you know, different categories of people, how we treat certain people better than the, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like, what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? Like, how do, how do we almost mirror that to the world of what God has done for us in Christ? Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know and if I'm, that's a big, no, that's, that's, that's a, a good huge one. Huge question. Yeah. And you can tell this wasn't scripted because I had no idea this question was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's tough because I mean, flesh says do what you need to do to protect yourself. Sure. Um, and yeah, you know my story better than most. And and that's partly why I'm asking, yeah. which not that Ooh. we need to get way into yeah. it, but I mean, your family life growing up was tough with yeah. estranged yeah. relationships with parents. And I mean, just tough stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you navigate that with, with now that you've been clothed <laughs> in Christ? Like, what, what does that look like for you? And I'm it's, sorry, I don't mean to go no, too you're personal good. too quick. No, dude, you're good. <laughs> I mean, it's still tough. Like, I mean... I have barriers like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, me and you've had conversations about different things and different things that have happened. But like I said, flesh says you got to protect yourself. And I mean, that's mainly me talking personally. It's like you have to protect you and you have to make sure you can survive. Sure. But like through Christ, man, it's just you got to let that, that kind of anger and frustration go. No matter what has happened, and, and sometimes it means taking like taking a risk yeah. relationally, which could be tough. That's yeah. scary. And I mean, just certain things that I've gone through in my life here in the last few years. I mean, especially with my daughter coming along and like me not being a part of any of my family at all. Mm. And it's just like, well, my daughter only has one grandparent. Yeah. And it's like from relationships past and like both sides. Like I've done things, whatever. But it's just like some of those. It's I gotta protect. Mm. I, I still like it's hard for me to let go and it's like it's not just me i have to protect now it's yeah. but i mean it doesn't mean that i'm hateful or resentful to people and it took me a long time to get to that point especially with some of the things specifically that mean you've talked about earlier or like before like i've had to let go and just be like i'm not mad 
Yeah. And I'm not, I don't hate you. And so some of that is even letting down the, the barrier of hostility is in your own heart. Yeah. Where it's like, it may be because of certain circumstances, there can't be a rest or there won't be a restoration there because of dangerous behavior or yeah. whatever. But on your part, you're like, the barrier on my side has been torn down. Mm-hmm. Like I can't hold on to anger because it, you know, it poisons your own soul. Yeah. And so what, it, what it looks like to walk in forgiveness and that's tough to do. Yeah. And it's just a praying, like asking God be like, Hey, I didn't, I did what I think I need to do. And I would love for this to be different. If it was reciprocated on the other side, it would be great. It'd be great. But that's on them yep. ultimately yep. And, and not on you. You yeah. can't make it happen. It becomes exhausting. Yeah. Like in some of these situations, it just becomes emotionally draining. And sometimes being emotionally drained is worse than being physically drained. Oh, Like yeah. it can just be, it can just be completely taxing. And again, being a father and a, a husband, I have to protect the people around me. Mm. And that's just, that's just my nature as a person in general. Yeah. Close friends, I have to protect what is mine. Well, the cool thing is, like with this text, like though your blood family may have failed you in some ways, God has surrounded you with a faith family. Yeah. Like you have been brought into the family of God that we're all foreigners and strangers together. I mean, like you have become like a little brother to me. Yeah. Like that's, and, and that's what has been one cool thing. It's like <laughs> we celebrate holidays and birthdays yeah. and things like that. And it's like, I don't do that with everybody, <laughs> but it's like, I recognize very quickly. It's like, there's a, I'm getting a little brother vibe from yeah, him. So I'm like, I think I'm going to walk this out. <laughs> like, this is good. I this love is, it. This is a God ordained thing. So, sure. so we've got to live some of this out. Well, Hey, thank you so much, Chris, Absolutely. for uh, joining us today. And we'll give a quick little, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Little, uh, it was fun. Thunderous applause just <laughs> to send John out. Um, but yeah, Hey, just want to thank everybody for joining us today. Went a little bit longer than we normally go, but man, it was just it was fun. such good stuff. So uh, we'll see you soon guys.